You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. How many of you like baseball? Show of hands. How many of you only watch baseball if it's the home run derby because all you want to see is balls disappearing over fences? Basketball? You only want to watch the slam dunk contest? Okay, awesome. Uh, we are going to be swinging for the fences this morning right off the bat. We're going to be uh, going for the uh, Michael Jordan right right from the end of the, uh, the foul line because we're going to be talking about the big sin this morning, the big one. Often we hear all kinds of people talking about different things. I remember a preacher, an American preacher, who was asked a question uh, one time, and, and it was a spot question. They were trying to get him, and... Uh, They were talking about same-sex unions and said, well, you hate people like that. He said, no, I don't. He said, well, but you disagree with that. You think that that's wrong. You think that that's the big sin. He said, well, that's where you're wrong again. That's not the big sin. I'm guilty of the big sin. You're guilty of the big sin. We're all guilty of the big sin. So for those of you who like the home run derby and those of you who like slam dunk contests, Are you ready to just get going right away? We're just going to dive right into this, right into God's word and find out what the big sin is and what the anecdote or the antidote is for that. Do you guys with me okay with that? Okay, we'll dispense with introductions. We'll just get right to it. C.S. Lewis wrote this about the big sin in one of his great books, uh, Mere Christianity. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I've heard people admit that they are bad-tempered or that they cannot keep their heads about girls or drink or even that they are cowards, but I do not think I have ever heard anyone who is not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy toward it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Can you think what that might be? Lewis goes on, the vice I am talking of is pride and the virtue opposite to it is called humility. We've been working through a series uh, in Proverbs. We've been sitting in Proverbs and exploring Proverbs, looking for wisdom. Uh, we've, we've asked the Lord uh, to give us wisdom in our relationships, to give us wisdom in our work, to give us wisdom uh, in other aspects of our lives. And now we're asking the Lord to give wisdom. And when the Lord gives wisdom, he gives humility because humility is Wisdom. So the title of this message is Lord, Give Me Humility. And we're going to be bouncing around Proverbs a little bit. Uh, the first place I'd like to go is Proverbs 11, verse 2. You can see that up on, the, up on the screen. And it says this, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. And the picture here is of a traveling companion. So when pride comes along, there's something that comes with it. Uh, something that tries to stay hidden, that tries to avoid uh, being outed, if you will, tries to avoid being noticed, but it's always there with it. 
And that's disgrace. When pride comes along, disgrace is always coming along with it. You can't avoid that. But when humility comes, or with humility is wisdom. So when the Proverbs uh, present us with choices all the time, you, we, we get to choose between uh, righteous behavior or wicked behavior. We get to choose between wise behavior and foolish behavior. And when we choose pride, we are choosing disgrace. When we choose humility, though, we have wisdom. And that's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. So God is speaking, he's warning, he's calling. And my prayer is that we are listening and heeding uh, and responding well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Uh, that you've given us your word. You've uh, given us very clear uh, counsel and how we, uh, how we ought to live. You've given us very clear counsel and how we ought to treat one another. Uh, you've given us very, very clear uh, wisdom regarding our state as a race, our, our uh, state as individuals. And you've given us very clear a very clear pathway to, uh, to put off pride, to reject the disgrace that comes with it and to humble ourselves and open ourselves up uh, to the glorious provision that you've uh, worked for us on the cross in your son, that we can be reconciled to you and that we can truly humble ourselves. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, plow up the soil of our hearts this morning, Lord, make us receptive uh, to your word. Lord, I pray that uh, the seed of your word that goes out would, would root and sprout and grow and bring uh, forth good fruit. Lord, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would uh, allow me to say only what you would have said and, and hold back all else. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would show us yourself, give us a fresh view of you, a high view of you, God, and that we would be transformed. I just pray this in Jesus' name. And I pray it for his glory. Amen. So here's point number one. You can jot this down. The call here is to choose humility and the reasons for it, we're gonna look at three of them. Uh, the first reason is because to choose humility is because pride brings circumstantial danger. Pride brings circumstantial danger. Uh, turn to Proverbs 16. We're gonna pick this up in verse 18 and we're gonna look at verse 19. And while you're looking that up, just by way of reminder, Proverbs are uh, pithy statements that often uh, paint a vivid picture. They're, they're often pictorial. And we're gonna see the picture of pride, and we're gonna see the value of humility in this particular verse. So Proverbs 16, verse 18, says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So pride goes before destruction. Destruction is just carnage. Destruction is the shattering of structures, the breaking down of things that are valuable. And fall is obvious. The picture that's painted there is something up high falling, leaving its spot up high and ending up on the ground. 
So pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now what is a haughty spirit? A haughty spirit is just a spirit that is lifted up, that is lofty, okay? And pride, when we look at Proverbs, Proverbs has two words uh, generally to describe pride. One of them uh, just means high. We just have, when we're proud, we have an overinflated opinion of ourselves. We have a high view of ourselves, And most people, when they think of pride, they think of a high view of themselves. They think of the arrogant person, uh, the person who's just constantly pushing themselves, promoting themselves, um, obnoxious in their uh, exaltation of themselves. But that's not the only expression of pride. Pride has many different faces. There are lots of different expressions of it. One expression of pride is the person who pities themselves. They're, they're constantly talking down about themselves. They're looking in the mirror and they're being, yeah, you're so stupid, you're so dumb. When they're around people, they're just like, oh, I'm just so lowly, I'm so uh, hard done by, just like things in life suck all the time. That's actually a very high view of oneself. Because what it actually says is, I don't deserve what I have right now. So in my circumstances, I don't deserve that difficult relationship. I don't deserve uh, the, the challenges that I have economically or financially. I don't deserve these things. Well, why don't you deserve it? Well, because the view of the self is higher than that. I'm beyond this, I should be beyond this, I shouldn't have to deal with that. So self-pity is actually a very subtle and insidious form of pride, but it is pride, and it is a high elevated view of oneself. So pride, pride is sneaky, we're gonna see that a little bit later on. It's sneaky, it's contagious, it's nasty, and it comes out in all kinds of different forms, not just uh, in arrogance. The second word that Proverbs uses when it talks about pride pictures this boiling up. So you think of a pot boiling with water and it's just turning over and there's heat coming from it. And so the, the proud person is often pictured as having this boiling inside and it's just ready to come out. So have you ever been on the highway and maybe you weren't really paying attention, you just didn't see somebody and you ended up maybe cutting somebody off a little bit? And they, and they roar up beside you and they look in the window and they say something to you or they show something to you. You can read between the lines, right? That's an expression of pride. That's a boiling up of frustration. You wronged me, there's an injustice here. And that's another picture of pride, this boiling up of frustration. Um, you know, it was interesting, so Thursday, it's funny by the way, um, every time you have to go and speak on something, um, God will take you through it and you'll experience it firsthand, especially when it's something like pride and humility. So Thursday night, just by way of illustration, um, my wife and I right now are getting ready to move. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we have to do. There's phone plans to transfer and there's uh, packing and all this different stuff. Anyway, I hate technology at the best of times. So Thursday night, we're trying to get some phone plan uh, I'm, I'm actually working on this message and we're trying to get a phone plan transferred. So I wasn't even doing it, my wife was doing it. And she's, kinda, she's technological, she likes all that stuff, the gadgetry and so on and so forth. Anyway, so she's getting this thing uh, entered in online and all of a sudden there's an error screen. So, you know, we've paid and it looks like they're gonna charge us three times what we actually wanted and then there's this error, you can't log into your account, blah, 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 blah. She's describing this to me and I'm, Sitting, I'm trying to focus on humility. 
How am I gonna present this to the people? And I'm starting to boil. Because it, it should go. It's automated. There's not even people involved. And you know what I wanna do with my computer when I get an error screen and my will is being thwarted in this project? You know what I wanna do with it? I just wanna throw it down the stairs. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna take the high road. I'm gonna let her deal with this. Okay? And I'm gonna to turn to something else. So I'm gonna get some insurance documents going. I'm gonna scan it, send it to the broker. And I put all the sheets there. I'm becoming very zen about this. And I hit the button and I go back to preparing the message on humility, thinking I've succeeded very well. And then an error sign pops up on the scanner. Doesn't work. You know what I want to do with a scanner that doesn't scan what I want it to scan? I want to kick it down the stairs. Decided to take the high road. So I'm going to do something else. I've got a microphone that I got to plug into an audio interface. It's brand new. I'm really, really excited about it. I plug it in, do some recording, and there's no signal to the audio interface. So I troubleshoot it a little bit. There's still no signal to the audio interface. I'm going, man, this is ridiculous. I get on my computer and I start messaging my friend, Adam Watson, how come this microphone doesn't work? He's like, well, did you try this? Did you try this? Try this? Yeah, I tried it all. No signal. He says, maybe the mic's broken. Do you know what I want to do with a microphone that's not giving signal to my audio interface? I want to throw it down the stairs. That's pride. I'm looking at this microphone being like, you idiot. I'm the only one in the room. My wife's like, who are you talking to? It's ridiculous, but that's what pride does. That is an expression of pride. I was boiling up inside because my will was being thwarted. I thought, I don't deserve to work with, uh, to deal with this stuff. The stuff's new. It should go. It should work. But that's pride. That's pride boiling up because I have a high view of myself and what I deserve. Now, choose humility because pride brings circumstantial danger. Here was a circumstantial danger in that little illustration that I just shared with you. All of my electrical equipment, electrical, electronic, I don't even know. See, I'm totally not geared that way. All of my electronic equipment was in danger of going down the stairs and then I wouldn't have any left. That's what pride does. Pride puts us in a position where we're predisposed to destroying the things around us that we need in frustration. Think about your finances. Pride says, hey, you know what? I deserve that car. I deserve that whatever, that house that I can't afford. I'm just gonna get it anyway because I deserve it. And then you're in poverty. You're in trouble with creditors. Pride wants to destroy your circumstances. Think about it with, with jobs, laziness, bad stewardship. With bad stewardship, your stuff gets wrecked. You don't take care of it. With laziness, you get fired. Or you don't take care of the things that you need to take care of. And all that is is I deserve a little bit of comfort. I deserve to just kind of do my own thing. 
pride wants to destroy, it's active. It wants to destroy all of your circumstances. So choose humility because pride brings circumstantial danger. And you can see this up on the slide, Proverbs 18. Here's a good summary of this. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty or lifted up, but humility comes before honor. We don't get, we all want honor, right? We all want honor in some form or fashion, but we don't get honor without humility. We might look around at the world and there's all kinds of people who are not humble. There's all kinds of people in high places that are arrogant and proud and it looks like they're being honored, but it's a superficial honor. It's a superficial honor because honor doesn't come with pride. Destruction comes with pride and it's only a matter of time. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. When we're humble, wisdom is our traveling companion and honor is coming. The thing that predisposes us, the thing in pride that predisposes us to this danger uh, is a resistance to the correction required to avoid mistakes, to learn from our mistakes. A proud person resists receiving counsel and advice. We all, we're all thinking of somebody right now in our lives just like, man, dude should be here listening to this. He, right? Am I right? I am. <laughs> and that's pride in me. <laughs> I should be going, oh, the Lord's speaking to me through my own lips right now. This is about me. But we, can, but, we, but we get that. There's somebody in our lives who just will not take counsel and will not take advice. And their lives reflect that. Isn't it true? I hope it's not any of us. So humility comes first, then honor. We teach our children, you eat your peas and potatoes and then you get what? Dessert. Kids do, they wanna do what, right? The opposite, dessert first, then peas and potatoes. Okay, so here's some, here's some practical application. Um, work at cultivating a heart that receives advice. When somebody comes to speak into your life, work at cultivating the kind of heart that receives that, that will receive counsel. And avoid the knee-jerk defense that pride raises up all the time. Consider quietly what is said. If there's something that just doesn't sound right, consider that, ponder that in your heart and take that to the Lord and ask God, is there something here for me? This is the humble way of receiving and responding to uh, outside voices into our lives. And then the last thing, and I really wanna stress this, okay? Instead of just being good at receiving counsel, Go and find it. Seek advice, seek counsel. Young people, look up here for a second. We're a young church, there's lots of young people. And by young people, I'm talking about probably anybody like 40 or younger. Okay, right, 40's the new 20. That's what I heard, anyway, okay, well. Young people, there are people in our church that have been walking with the Lord for a long, long time. There are people who have received much wisdom from the Lord as he's led them through their lives. Go and find those people. Pursue them. Build relationships with them and get them to speak into your lives. Do you know how to recognize them? They usually have gray hair or no hair. <laughs> Go and find them, young people, I'm serious. And pursue them in relationship and get them to speak into your lives. Older folks, you know who you are, I don't have to, to quantify that. There are young people in this church who need you. 
This whole generation gap thing that the world pushes on us, that's pride, it's foolishness. There are young people in this church who need you. Go and find one. Pursue them in relationship. And pour into their lives so that they can avoid some of the mistakes that you've made. This is wisdom. So choose humility and avoid danger in your circumstances. Here's point number two. Choose humility because pride brings relational dishonor. So pride wrecks our circumstances and it actively works at that and it also is actually trying to destroy your relationships. Have you ever been to a dinner party where there's that guy, we've all been to this dinner party, and there's that guy or girl who's just always talking about themselves. Me, 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 me all the time. Yeah, so I just traveled to uh, the UAE and I had private planes and boats and trains and... uh, um, I was driving on the Autobahn the other day because I got a whole fleet of sports cars and I was just, uh, I had to take the fastest one to get to my yacht and uh, so that I could get out on the water and just chill and, and uh, enter that race around the world and that I won three times running, blah, blah, blah. And it just starts to sound like this for after a while. Me, 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 me. And then, and here's the thing, pride's contagious, right? So at that same dinner party, everybody's kind of getting on that train and people are just kind of sitting back and they're like, Oh, yeah, you, 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 yeah, that's cool. You, 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 waiting, 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 waiting. Yeah. Me, me! Yeah, 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 you, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, me! And then before long, you're actually sitting in that gaggle of uh, uh, seagulls from Finding Nemo where everybody's just like, mine, 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 okay? That's how this works. And if you don't have something interesting to say, you're sitting there like, Ugh, why am I even here? This is so lame. Somebody turns to you and they're like, so what about you? And you're like, oh, what a wonderful party. So yeah, I had my wisdom teeth pulled. Have you ever wondered what an astronaut feels like in a dinner party like that? Everybody's like, yeah, so like I got my new nails. Do you like it? See, cool, yeah, right on. And the astronaut's like, I walked on the moon. Like, how do you top that? You are always the most interesting person in the room. And if you're the astronaut, you're like, man, what a bunch of dweebs, right? And everybody leaves those dinner parties going, oh, well, so-and-so is so annoying. Do you see see what's happening there? Pride is sowing disunity in, in the relationships there. Pride is working to destroy the relationships We live in an age of narcissism. Is that overdramatic? We live in an age of, you wanna bet? Go on Facebook. This this generation has invented the humble brag. Facebook or Twitter, hashtag so blessed, hashtag so privileged. (laughs) Gotta rush home now after my lunch with the president. Just had a great time sitting with Bill Gates right before my phone call with Elon Musk. So blessed. We're feigning humility while telling everybody how great life is. Facebook is the one place you go on and everybody has an awesome life. But if you're actually talking to people and you're like, hey, how's it going? They're like, oh, well, you know, things suck. How can that be? Your last Facebook status was things are amazing. So blessed. We live in an age of narcissism. 
Turn to Proverbs 25. And we'll look at verse six and verse seven. And this is one of those Proverbs that is its own illustration. So it's good to have God's word in front of you to follow along. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. So there we're at this dinner party again. And when we have overinflated views of ourselves, exaggerated sense of our own importance, when we go to that dinner party, we think it's about us. And whether in, in those days there would be an actual place of honor, and it was usually uh, uh, in the proximity of the, the host, usually on the right side of the host, and you'd go and you'd sit down there if you were the honored guest. Today it's not so much like that, but we do that with our words. We do that by boasting in the things that we've done or the things that we are, or how humble we are. <laughs> Which, do you see the irony there? Anyway, that just cracks me up every time. I'm so humble, so blessed to be so humble. It's comical. The Bible says don't do that. And Jesus actually picked this up in Luke 14. And he actually, he actually advises the opposite. He says, sit in the lowest places for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus is saying, don't make this about you. This isn't about you. And if we want to avoid the dishonor that comes relationally along with pride, let's take a low position. Let's get low. Let's have a, an accurate view of ourselves. And what we'll find is that that actually frees us up to love one another. David Hubbard, who's a, an Old Testament commentator, uh, he wrote this, and I think this will come up on the screen. How hard it is, nope, it's not coming up on the screen, sorry. Uh, so this is David Hubbard. How hard it is to love our neighbor as ourselves when we have an exaggerated sense of our own importance. We can easily sop up our total supply of love for our own needs, given our exalted ideas of how lovable we are. And that's the truth. That's the truth, that's what's happening. When we're conversing with somebody and we're thinking about ourselves, all we're thinking about is what we're gonna say next. We're not actually hearing the person in front of us. Hey, how are you doing? Ah, things are really tough right now. We've had death in the family, some kind of crazy illness. Life is really hard. And if we haven't heard that, we're just like, oh yeah, well, I broke a nail the other day. Think of the damage that that does to the person in front of you. When we, when we don't have the capacity to love one another because we're so in love with ourselves, think of the damage that that does. And that person will never talk to you again. But think of the damage that that does. All of the strife in the world today, we've had a, we've had a fun time throwing out our own commentary with what's going on in, in the States right now, politically. We have our own issues up here. There's all kinds of stuff going on around the world, refugees and government saying yes, government saying no. There's attack on the family, gender. There's all kinds of stuff. This is all relational. And all of the discord and all of the disunity comes down to pride. 
This is a world-altering issue. So choose humility because pride brings relational, relational dishonor. And here's a good summary. You can see this up on the screen. Proverbs 29, verse 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So there we have it again. Pride goes before a fall. When we're proud, we will fall. We will be brought low because disgrace comes with pride. But with humility is wisdom, with a lowly spirit first, then comes honor. Now, we oppose pride in one another, don't we? When somebody, somebody comes across as being proud, we love to see them fall, am I right? We love to see their ignorance exposed, we love to, to call their bluff, we love to see the big dude fall, the big dog fall. Um, for those of you who are sports fans, what happens when an athlete or a team mocks their opponent in the press before they actually play. You can just smell the upset coming, right? Do you know why? Because when somebody's so pompous and they put themselves up there, how many, any Falcons fans? Oh, you're not going to admit to it, are you? Okay. They had a 25-point lead at halftime, and they still lost. And some people were kind of celebrating a little bit on the sidelines before half. Dangerous because the other team is going in there. That mockery is fueling their own pride and they're like, we're gonna get them, okay? We actually oppose pride in one another. However, human opposition is not actually the major issue when it comes to pride. See, when we look at our circumstantial danger, we look at our uh, relational dishonor, those are small things that point us to a greater spiritual truth. Pride is, pride is bad in this life, it's bad in our circumstances, it's bad in our relationships, but it is not, these things point to a much greater issue, a much greater concern, because there's a greater power that also opposes pride. First Peter 5, 6 says that God opposes the proud. It's not just a matter of, well, you know what, I'm not really with God, so he's just not for me. If we're not with God, it's because we're too proud for that and God opposes the proud. That is very scary. You can't tag team that. If you're in the ring with God, there's nobody that you can go over to and go, hey, tag, you're up, that can come in and save you from that. There is no power greater and if God is opposing pride and if I'm proud, then God is opposing me. And that's a battle I will never win. That's a battle I will never win. So here's point three. Choose humility because pride brings eternal destruction. Now things just got heavy. Pride brings eternal destruction. Proverbs 16 verse five, and you can turn to this. says that everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Everyone, how many people does the word everyone indicate? All of them. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Abomination is one of those words that just doesn't feel good. It's one of those words we try to avoid 
It's one of those words that we associate with kind of that old-fashioned southern hellfire and brimstone preaching. So it's a bit sensationalized. But it's a word that's used here. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Abomination, something that's an abomination means that it is hated. Pride is hated by God. In other words, God hates pride. That's why he opposes it. And why does God hate pride? God hates pride because pride prevents us from relationship with God. Pride says, I don't need anything. I don't need God. I don't need anything. I'll do it on my own. I'll earn my own salvation. I'll earn my own keep. I'll do it on my own. That's what pride says. That's not what we were designed for. So God opposes the proud. And because God loves us, he hates pride. Because the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. Pride is the big sin. The wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God. Here and eternally. So can you see why God, if God is a God of love, you can see why he hates pride? Pride threatens everything that he loves. Someone threatens my wife? <laughs> I'm gonna lose it because something that I love is being threatened. One of my baby sisters, one of my baby brothers is threatened by something. Love acts, love takes action. So God hates pride and arrogance in the heart is an abomination to God because it threatens to destroy something that God loves. Do you see that? And this is, this is, people often wonder, you know, like really what's the Bible really about? There's all these rules and all these commands and so on and so forth. I can't really get into that, but here's the reality. The Bible is actually a narrative. There's an overarching theme throughout the Bible. And when you, when you study that, when you look at that, that's what we call biblical theology. We're looking at the, the themes that are weaving themselves through the entire narrative of God's word. And what we see time and time again, over and over again, is the pride of humanity rising up in opposition to God and God saying, no. That's not what I want for you. And God making provision after provision after provision to try to reconcile his people to himself. And of course, then we see Jesus coming up partway through. But let's start in the beginning. So Genesis 1 and 2, we see the design for humanity. God's people in God's place in the garden, in relationship with God, under the rule of God. That's what we see. Do you know what the definition of abuse is? The definition of abuse Let's, let's use this as a working definition. Abusing something is using it for something that it wasn't intended for. It's not its intended purpose. Do we have any, any musicians uh, in the crowd? You play an instrument? Show of hands, I just see a few nods, okay? Um, if you take a guitar and you bang it against a pan or a pot in your kitchen, will it make a sound? Will it make a noise? Yeah, it will. It's not the sound it's supposed to make. What about a trumpet? If you took a, a trumpet and you just kind of beat it against the walls in your house, would it make noise? I'm making a joyful noise, right? Yeah. But here's the problem with that. That's not what a guitar is for. That's not what a trumpet is for. A guitar makes a sound when you play it, when you pluck the strings. A trumpet makes the sound it's supposed to make when you put it to your lips and, and buzz your lips and blow air through it. So when you use it for something that it's not intended for, you're abusing it. When somebody kicks a dog, you just 
Anger boils up inside you. Why? That's abuse of the dog. You're using it for something it wasn't intended for. When somebody hits another person, we call that abuse. Why? Because the person's being used for something that it's not intended for. Do you see that? We were designed for relationship with God. We were designed for intimacy with him in humility and submission to his will. When we're not doing that, we're not acting in accordance with our design. Do you see how that's actually abuse? Ab use. The use is abnormal. Do you see that? So that's what, when we're living in rebellion against God, when we're proud, we're actually abusing ourselves and everyone else around us. And that's what we see in Genesis 3. So we see the pride in Satan. Satan's not happy just to go down by himself. Stirs up the pride in us. He says, you will surely not die. You will become like God. And that's the message today. Do you know what I'm saying? This is the message out here. No, 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 no. You're completely autonomous. You're completely independent. Independence is strength. Strength is good. You don't need God. You don't need anybody else. What drives me nuts is when people, I hear women say this, they've been hurt, they've been abused. And they say, I don't need a man. You're right, you don't need a man. But you need God. What ends up happening is I don't need this, I don't need that, turns into I don't need anything. I don't need anything. But that's actually abuse because we were designed for relationship with God and we need him. We are creatures and we are dependent on God. So we see this pride continue. It ends up in the first murder in Genesis chapter four. Cain's wounded ego was taken out on his brother and he crushed, he set about to crush the testimony against his own selfishness. In Genesis 11, we see pride result in the building of the Tower of Babel, a city uh, and a tower with its top in the heavens to make a name for the people. They said, we're gonna make a name for ourselves and we're gonna make sure that we're not dispersed throughout the whole face of the earth. But that is in direct opposition to God's mandate for humanity. In the beginning, God said, multiply, fill the earth. That's our mandate. The people around the Tower of Babel said, no, we're gonna build a central point that points to our own greatness. We're gonna make a name for ourselves and we're not going anywhere. Well, God intervened, confused the language and dispersed the people. God is a power that cannot be defeated. We also see in Exodus, we see the pride of Pharaoh who refused to heed God's command. Let my people go. No, I will not let your people go. And who is this God that I should listen to him? That's what he said. God intervened and Pharaoh's pride resulted in the utter destruction and ruin of an entire nation that was a world superpower at the time. And all the firstborn in Egypt died as a result of Pharaoh's pride. In Exodus 32, we see pride result in the golden calf. Remember Aaron made a golden calf while the people were receiving the, the commandments uh, on Mount, or while Moses was receiving the commandments on Mount Sinai. And this was an outward expression of an inward idolatry and it reminds us that pride is actually worship. Pride is worship. Pride is the worship of self. When you think highly of yourself, you worship yourself. Here's another design thing. We were designed to worship. We were designed to worship God. We're always gonna be worshiping. A lot of people say, I don't believe in God, I don't worship. Yes, you do. Whatever is foremost in your affections, that is what you worship. We are designed for worship. We can't get away from it. And when we're worshiping something other than what we were designed to worship, which is God, that's abuse. That's abuse of the human. When we start to see all of these things, these attacks on gender, these attacks on the family, 
We start to see redefinition of what it is to be man, what it is to be woman, husband, uh, wife, etc., etc., father, mother. These are attacks on humanity. This progressivism is anti-human. It hates human. It hates us. Why do we go along with it? Pride continues. We see it in the rebellion of Samson. He did deliver Israel, or God delivered Israel through him, but it ended badly for him because he was proud. He didn't do it God's way. The fall of David, the classic adultery story, but it goes, it's even worse than that. He tries to cover himself because of his pride, and it ends up, he ends up killing the woman's husband. But here's the thing. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. Uriah was his friend who had laid down his life for him in the past, and David had him killed to cover himself. That's what pride does, relational dishonor and destruction. We also see it in the fall of Solomon. With all of his wisdom, he did not listen to God. He took many wives for himself and they turned his heart away from the Lord and the end story of that was the nation of Israel split. Pride broke up an entire uh, nation and this is not unique to Bible times. We see this through the great civilizations throughout history from Rome through the Middle Ages to, to the modern day and right to the postmodernism that we find ourselves in. Pride and disgrace has always lurked and we see it in the proficiency with which we rob one another. Nations robbing nations, individuals robbing individuals. We see it in the proficiency with which we denigrate and dehumanize one another. The way we slander and hate and murder one another. Don't tell me Humanity doesn't have an issue. I will direct you to a history book. And I'll direct you to the news. Everyone who is arrogant in the heart is an abomination to the Lord and will not go unpunished because the wages of sin is death. Are you guys ready for some good news? I know that's a little heavy, but it's true. But here's the good news. Just as God intervened all throughout history and said, no, we're not gonna permit this. God has intervened once and for all in the person of Jesus Christ, his son who took humanity onto himself. God didn't have to do that. Why would God, why would God enter into humanity, enter into our plight and take, like that's just utter humiliation for the creator of the universe but he did it because he loved us. And he took on humanity so that he could take on human's enemy, the devil and Satan and death, on our behalf. And he submitted to, this is crazy, he submitted to the pride of our race, the boiling up of the indignation as we lied about him in false testimony in order to see him murdered on a cross, in order to try to rid ourselves of the testimony against us and against our pride. This is, this is pride at its peak. This, it, it's, its peak expression is just utter hatred of God and hatred of the image of God, which we've been imprinted with, all of us. Imprinted with God's image and pride wants to stamp that out. David Hubbard says this, and you can see this on the screen. Pride is the essence of foolishness. 
the essence of sin because it disregards our creatureliness. It disregards our commonality with other human beings and it disregards our utter dependence on God's grace and goodness for all we have and all we are. Pride is a declaration of independence from God, if not an outright announcement of war against him. It draws his scorn, sparks his ire, and guarantees his judgment. But, but, in the act of laying down his life, Jesus conquered, the, uh, conquered sin. He paid the price for our sin, conquered the power of sin, conquered death because he was brought to life again because he was completely righteous. He never sinned. He was never proud. He lived his life in complete humility, submission to his Father's will. He showed us how to do it. And he also, in his death and resurrection, has given us the power to be able to do it. Without that power, we, we still can't do it. We can see the example, but we can't do it. This is why we need to surrender our lives to him. This is why we need to receive him, receive that gift, because in that, we're recreated, we're made new, we're given new hearts, and, we're, and this heart, in contrast to the old one, actually has the ability by God's spirit to, to, to lay down our pride, to reject pride and the disgrace that goes with it, and receive humility and bend the knee to the God that we were designed for relationship with. And this victory that over death is ours if we accept what Jesus has done. No strings attached. I'm not trying to earn anything. He's done it all. I'm, I just get to receive it. It's true, the wages of sin is death, but the rest of the verse is the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if, if you're here today and you're going, you know what, I recognize pride and you know Jesus, be encouraged. There's a power in you that is greater than the power that's in the world, and it's working even now to destroy pride in you. If you're recognizing for the first time the Holy Spirit has made this apparent to you, I'm proud, and I need help. I need freedom from this awful uh, sickness. Then choose humility. Today, choose humility. Leave your high-mindedness Accept that you are a creature. You're a creature because God gave you existence and a purpose because he loves you. Just accept that. And accept that you share a commonality with all of fallen humanity. We all need this. We all need saving. We all need to be recreated. And accept your dependence on God. Just accept that free gift. You can do that today. Now, before we close, I want to read something. Uh, this is a passage from Philippians 2, and it's describing Jesus, uh, the God-man who came down and, and worked such a great salvation for us, died on the cross. And this passage really shows the humility that is the model for us and the humility that is the power for us. So I want to read this passage and I want us all to stand as we read, uh, just out of reverence for God's word, um, in humility, as an expression of humility. And I want us to see, by God's grace, the beauty in humility. We often think pride is the best way to go about being honored, but it isn't. I want to see the beauty of humility that is modeled for us by the God who created us. So Philippians 2 We'll start in verse three, and it says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. 
but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. There's the practical. Love other people. It's the second commandment. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of sinful man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. Being found in human form, he did exactly what humans were designed for. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, for the clarity that we find there. Lord, I pray that you would give us a a supernatural desire, hunger for your word to just devour it, to chew on it, Lord, to let it uh, transform us from the inside out. Your word is living and active and it is transformative. Lord, I pray that you would help our unbelief in that area, Lord, just that we would believe that that is true. Lord, I thank you for your son who has come to earth uh, in our stead, paid the price for our sin and conquered our enemies, sin and death, that we can grow by your spirit in Christ-likeness and that when this life is over, that's not all there is. And we will have an eternity in glory, perfected, no more tears, no more pain. I thank you for that, God. Give us, give us the humility to see that and receive that and believe that and cling to that. That is transformative also. Lord, I just pray that would take root and grow and bear fruit in our lives that we would avoid circumstantial danger and relational dishonor and that we would receive your gift of eternal life I just pray this in Jesus name I pray this for his glory Amen This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.